And thank you for joining us for episode 100 of the Motor Effect Podcast. If this is your first episode, well, then you're coming in on probably one of our better episodes uh, with our 100 milestone. And if you're a loyal listener, we thank you for waiting until 100. We're going to go through some history. We're going to talk about other women that have influenced maybe motorcycling in general. But for me, I'm going to talk about women who've influenced me personally. And I don't know, we're going to go over some other things to catch up on. Um, there were some, I think, bike news while we were out and some launches and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think we're going to maybe dive in and start with some history. <laughs> so to give everybody some background on where we came from, why we started, when we started, kind of how that happened, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> And I, huh? Wasn't our, wasn't our first episode March, March 2013? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, we yeah. apologize for the quality of that first episode, but if you want to go back and hear it again, it's on our website, but yeah, March 2nd and shoot, we'll post a link to it so you can see. Why did we start again? Well, what I remember is we're on the phone. So, um, when we first met, it was virtually. So we, I think we chatted on Twitter about a particular topic, something about, I don't know if we were talking about gear or we were talking about some article, I think, on Twitter. And we were just kind of tweeting back and forth about it. And after that, right, we met in person at the motorcycle show right? So that was... I believe so. So 2011 is when we met each other on Twitter, on the Twitterverse. And I tried to dig deep and go back to 2011, but I could not find any of those tweets. So we're totally going based on memory here. And then in 12, we finally met in person at the motorcycle show. I think Long Beach was when we met. Yeah, because I believe 2012 was the year that the Long Beach Motorcycle Show had a specific women's area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was my, I want to say my second season with the motorcycle show tour. So I was on tour, working the show. And for some of you who've known me since then, you probably volunteered a little time at the booth as well and um, in, in whatever city was closest to you. And I think that's how we met. So at the shows, finally met, said hi. I don't think we really spent a lot of time chatting because it was just really hectic and I think busy and stuff. So mm-hmm. I remember that. And then I want to say we had a phone conversation at some point about something i don't know if you just called me and we were talking about a particular topic but i remember i was on the couch that i remember and i remember (laughs) we were maybe we were just like bitching and moaning about the lack of podcasts available for motorcycling but specifically women like i remember we were chatting about how there aren't any podcasts with female hosts. And I think, 
I think I was just telling you like, oh, this is what I've listened to. And do you know this person? And then I think that conversation evolved into we should start one. We should do one. We should do one. Why not? You know, and that was very quick. It was just very (laughs) I think it was more like we were just casually chatting and we're like, yeah, we should do one. It wasn't like a serious plan. It was just, hey, let's do one. And then. And then we had to figure out a URL, which was yeah, but almost it was, impossible. It was also very casual, though. Like, yeah, come up with one. I'll think about it. You know, it wasn't... We were just kind of, I think, tossing that idea around. And yeah, and then we started... And then Joanne rushed to make it official. Well, like, literally, when we when I? we had come up with Motorific, <laughs> it felt like overnight you logged in the URL and had it registered. And I was like, oh, shit, we're doing a podcast. Well, <laughs> if, well, okay. So when you're looking up domains, they go so fast and they're hard to find because all these losers. Everyone has one. Right. And all these people buy domains for no reason than to blackmail you to sell it back to you for like stupid money and i think the reason i did it was really that it's like oh this is a great idea let's just i'll just buy it at least it's nine dollars we'll just get it and have it just in case but i i didn't know at that time if we actually would still um do a podcast i just being a technology junkie, that's just kind of the way I we roll. I have like 20 domains. I don't know. I have a bunch of domains I'll just buy at random for ideas, you know, just because it's $9 and it's a small investment. You know, that way I don't have to say, sure. pay somebody uh, $1,000 later. Sure, but then it's $9 a year and <laughs> then now it's like 15 It's fine. It's just, you don't uh, have to keep it. I've, you know... Like, uh, I think poor but Laura, yes. her domain is like that. Um, Trying to stay on sorry. track with our <laughs> origin so, story. That's kind of how it went. It was quite yeah. quick. It was very, you know, it was just kind of haphazard. Let's do it. Great. We can do this. And then I think I just got on the f- computer one day. I was like, here, I'll just Skype call you. Yeah, and we use Skype you. call recorder for a long time. Just use a call recorder. I was like, I have GarageBand. I can record stuff. This is easy. And little did we know that it's really it not wasn't. that easy. <laughs> and oh, um, and then like, I think that year is when you came up to visit, right? Exactly. Or was it 2014? And we went yeah, uh, April. Yeah, yeah, no. It was April because yeah. episode mm-hmm. four was April first, and that's when we test rode the Duke and the Bramo. Um, yeah, yeah, and we did an episode in my kitchen. So it girls was, got uh, electric, baby. It was uh, that's right. That was so much fun. Um, that's when I think started to really realize like this is not good. <laughs> I we need to I need to figure yeah. out how to do this better. Our, our quality blows, so but blew. I'm not willing to get a studio or to no, do no. a massive remodel of the uh, house. So no, 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 no. I mean, it was just we weren't using the right equipment. wasn't really thinking about our about people listening to it. I think we were just thinking about how can we record it <laughs> and then there wasn't any thought to oh what if someone has to listen to it does it sound 
worth listening to and how do we make it better? I, like that part we weren't really thinking about until. And then, of course, insert complications <laughs> with where they're listening. Are they listening right. on their Senna? Are they listening on headphones? Are they listening in their car? Are they listening with their phone uh, with the podcast uh, app on speaker? So, so many different ways that uh, audio quality is affected. So, if you've listened all the way from number one, we thank you for sticking with us. Um, Shout out to uh, Quentin Lewis and Ken Haylock, which I think they're still listening to us. If they aren't, well, I won't be hearing from either of them because they won't be catching this. But uh, (laughs) those are two people that I remember from the very beginning, and they were great supporters of the podcast so yes. i thank those two off the top of my head for sticking with us and we picked up a lot more especially internationally and i was going through some of the old messages on facebook in the email inbox there because you can message us on the facebook page as well and um yeah it's definitely changed into a different group of people uh like i I was just going through this one message from someone in England. Uh, they were saying how their family listens and we're in England. Can we get a shout out? And we're like, sure. <laughs> so there's people all over now listening, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, we just kind of started to do it for really ourselves. We're like we could talk about stuff and record it and and uh not enough thought was really put into you as a listener but it's uh, i mean listen we're not audio engineers and we're not <laughs> music people so um I, you know we kind of do the best we can with what we have and the time and you know place that we're limited to do this for fun because this is all for fun there's no money to be made um so you know we're just kind of doing it as we go and it's evolved i think quite a bit and there's still certainly a lot of areas for improvement but uh you know i think it wasn't in the beginning it was like weekly or twice twice yes, a month or we bi-weekly did or something we and did now weekly. we've evolved to when we get time because <laughs> well we're now no longer uh, same coast we went to bi-coastal about a year or so into the podcast um in which if you're a longtime listener or someone scrolling back you'll see a lot of independent interviews Um, when Joanne was relocating across country to Philly from uh, California. So there's, there's been a lot of evolution and, uh, and now there are a a few more women in the podcast space. So here, here to the female representation. Um, But I think we're still like the only two all, you know, solo female ones out there. Can't really tell. I don't really cruise the podcast scene. I barely have time for this one. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have. You, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. If you're listening, you absolutely know this is true because we are <laughs> slow to get these out. And 99.5 for the record was just because we needed to do something, but couldn't quite bring ourselves to call it 100 because we did not think that we had spectacular content. So uh, that is why you have the 0.5. 
So what do you want to roll into? Do you want to roll into the, the Q&A? Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. I think that's So really one of great. our listeners emailed us. Actually, I think he emailed Joanne. Uh, um, he emailed us, yeah, at Motor Effect okay. email. Uh, Steve Otter, he gave us some suggestions on what we could uh, talk about Q&A-wise on our 100. So, of course, we kind of already dabbled into it, how the two of us met, which was via Twitter. Um, one of his questions here was, what is the best day of riding you have ever had and why? So if uh, uh, Joanne can uh, follow me up on this, uh, basically the one that I can remember that stands out to memory was when I was traveling in India and Nepal and Bhutan, and there was one incredibly rough, long, hot, difficult, uphill, bike-dropping-type morning where everything just turned into quite a shit show, and I was like, God, when is this going to end? And none of neither of us had ridden that route, so neither of us really knew what was in store. And once we got back to pavement, which I was super excited about, um, the payoff was the most incredible views on this road, uh, this windy road in Nepal near the Tibetan border. So... Uh, that was the best day of riding ever just because it went from completely a, a complete 180 from something so uh, miserable to something so awesome I on an the, infield I should say <laughs> See, I can't I can't really think of one honestly I have so many like great memories of different rides I've done whether Pick they were a, a day or a, I have so many. Uh, what I jotted down initially was uh, Dublin, Ireland, when I did one sad little day. Actually, it was mm -hmm. only like four and a half, five hours, like 1130 a.m. to 4 p.m. because that was the drop off time. And uh, mainly because it was my first time riding internationally. I never... I haven't ridden outside the United States, haven't ridden in Canada, haven't ridden in Mexico. Um, Dublin's really the only time I ever rode outside the U.S. And for that, me, that was a really fun milestone. Even though I didn't ride anywhere terribly far that day, I really only rode like 100 miles, maybe. Um, rode like a very short little loop. And then it started to pour and it was cold. It was 40 degrees, maybe high 30s, and it was raining like halfway through my day. And so at that point, I just gave up. <laughs> it was, I gave up and I found a mall, like a shopping mall, because it was dry and warm. So I just, I was like, screw it. I'm just going to hang out here, have lunch and wait until it stops raining. But even then it was still... It was really fun. I mean, I had a great time and I never really, I didn't, that's not really what I think of when I think of a great day ride, <laughs> you know, it's like barely hundred miles, pouring rain, cold mall, but just being in a different country, being totally out of my comfort zone on a bike that I had never ridden because I rented a older um, F650 GS, mm -hmm. never rode that bike before, before that, not on a ride ever so I wasn't a hundred percent sure I could ride it I just 
I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, ah. That was, the, that was the trip that made you an international adventure goddess. Right. Very briefly. Um, so it, yeah, totally. Oh, God, left side of the road. Like, really out of my comfort zone. I've never driven in a car on the left side of the road, let alone... <laughs> driving riding on a motorcycle that so there's that those two huge things and uh, i didn't do any like googling or research like where should i go what route should i take i didn't do anything all i did was prepare my gear and made sure i had what i needed for the weather and that's pretty much all i did for planning I rented the bike online. I asked for a Garmin to help me navigate because they're like, yeah, we have pre-programmed uh, routes in the Garmin. No problem. You just, you know, rent the Garmin, pick a route, and it'll take you on a loop. I was like, sweet. That sounds great. I don't have to think about it. I'll just do that. And then even then, the Garmin stopped working. It it just on and off. It wouldn't really show me my route. And so I turned it off after like, an hour, I was like, all right, I guess I'm not going to follow this thing anymore. And I stopped using it and just started to wander to the closest um, park. I was like, I looked up like a, some national park to drive and ride through. And then I just started wandering aimlessly. <laughs> and I, I, I made sure to follow the cars in front of me in case I wasn't sure what lane to be in because <laughs> the what was killing me is there they don't have a yellow it's all white so your lane is marked white the middle of the lane is marked white everything's marked white and I'm so ah. used to seeing a yellow right to signify this is the middle of the road don't cross it the, <laughs> At least that much, but no, over there, everything's white. And so I just, when I wasn't sure what I was doing, I just follow the car in front of me and then hope I wasn't going anywhere too boring. But uh, yeah, it, it, it pushed me severely out of my comfort zone to where I think it made me way more comfortable to ride solo. Because before that, I hadn't really had a lot of experience riding by myself um, far. Uh it just wasn't something I ever wanted to do. It wasn't something I ever had the opportunity to do, I guess. I just never found it to be appealing until more recently. So in the last five years, I'd say riding solo is way more appealing to me now than it was. And I think that helped me uh figure out and discover like why riding solo is really cool i don't want to do it all the time but i like it i think it made it helped me enjoy doing it in you know in different ways than i thought and it I would. also helped joanne understand me more <laughs> i get it I this mean, is it why she get does it. it i get it <laughs> i do get you it know? i do it was a little scary but i loved it i had a great time and see, I think that's one of the key points for someone who has never gone off and traveled on their own is kind of, well, I don't want to miss this opportunity, so I might as well just take it. And then at the end of the day, no mm -hmm. matter what kind of craziness uh, may ensue, you know what? You survived. You made it. So doesn't that, I mean, that kind of empowers you in a way yeah. to look back uh, on it and go, you know what? Yeah. I handled just 
people driving on the wrong side of the road, terrible oh. rainy conditions, a bike that was probably a little bit taller or bigger than what I was used to, a bike I've never ridden. I'm riding in a foreign country. People mm-hmm. drive differently here. Like there are just so many things that challenge yeah. you. And that's, I mean, that's kind of in a nutshell why I like doing it. Because I love to be just ridiculously challenged. challenged in like the most extremist conditions because I just don't have that in my day-to-day life. Well, I'm guessing <laughs> that you handle stress and high pressure better than I do. I'm guessing you keep pretty calm and you don't panic. Internal, I mean internally, like it's not that I run around screaming and crying, but inside I'm just panicking and I'm so anxious in my mind, I'm just like really panicky and on the edge. Like, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How am I going to figure this out? And it's all in my mind. Well, on the outside, I just look really angry. <laughs> so it's and the panicky part. I'm not if you good could at. only hear the dialogue <laughs> that goes on inside my helmet on any given trip. Oh, okay, so you're panicking too. All right. Lots of F-bombs. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah, way no, more than, constantly. Way more than any podcast that we've ever done oh. where I've tried to edit some of them out. Okay, like, me too. It's just, oh, good. I'm not uh, alone. Yeah. No, lots yeah. of swearing, lots of screaming, okay. right. lots of tears, some um, oh shit moments. Oh. Uh, wow. Stress. You know, oh, yeah. No, I'm super vocal. I've and, never uh, cried. Sometimes, right. sometimes people have uh, heard me. <laughs> oh. No, I'm never Inside that, helmet. that vocal. It's more of an internal panic that I, sure. I have. But uh, uh, yeah, I guess it's the fear of the unknown. Like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Like, what, you know, what am I going to do? And I think for me, it's a matter of just experience it. it get through it to where you realize it's not that bad. It's really not that bad because mm-hmm. you're it's not like. I'm dying or I'm crashing. These are just sure. little things like, oh, I'm lost, whatever. Or, yeah, have- oh, you know, they're small emergencies. They're not life and death situations. The older I get, the more out of box I look at experiences like that and things that happen along the way. And I'm, a, I think I'm maybe a little more rational. But uh, sure, you know, you uh, have a really long day where you haven't eaten or hydrated enough or you're running out of gas or 500 things are going wrong and they're all little and they're all, you know, total BS, but cumulatively and then something happens and you just lose your shit. It's totally normal. It's totally normal because that happens to me. I wouldn't say frequently, but it still happens. I guess that's part of the adventure. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I don't know, but yeah, that, that trip... I would say very memorable, even though it wasn't memorable from a, quote, riding perspective, because (laughs) I, you know what I mean? Like, my other one I wrote down was um, a more painful day. It was the day I broke my record for longest miles in a day. Wow. I rode a 412 miles, and it almost killed me. My I felt sick and it was hot that day too. So the combination of um, the heat and then riding that SV, my first SV in my back, my body was hurting and I, and it was hot and I was tired. 
I went to bed at like eight because I was so exhausted and I felt so gross just from everything. And it was one of the like best and worst riding days because we went on amazing roads because we did a 400 mile ride, which normally takes 200 because we went totally the long way to do these awesome mountain passes in the Sierras, which was great because we're going from San Francisco to Nevada. But it was so tiring. It was so exhausting. It was miserable at the end, but it was great, I guess, on the way there. There's nothing a good shower, a good hot shower at the end of a shitty riding day, whether it be long uh, True. crappy weather, um, just True. stressful, whatever I, and, and, you know, subsequent partners have always kind of picked this up about me. If I've had a long travel day, whether I'm in a plane, in a car, on a motorcycle, don't get in the way of me and a hot shower, just back away. <laughs> let that me disappear for 30 minutes Yeah, and just let me take a shower because literally yeah. for me, a hot shower is like the reset button. Oh God. And All a right. Meal. I'm, and I'm here. Big meal. I'm taking the shower. I'm getting rid of all of what's happened today. <laughs> and I'm going to put myself in a great position in front of like a steak or whatever. And I'm going to relax because it's over all that stress. It ended. I'm here. I'm going to sleep. It's awesome. So, uh, Word for the wise, don't, don't, I think I warned the boyfriend this, don't get in the way of me in a hot shower, don't get in the way of me and my coffee, don't get in the way of me and my meal. If you step in between the two, it's going to be like a a human getting in the way of a mother and her cub. Meal. Me, it's just meal. And the man knows that. I get very hangry. Yeah. But yeah, the, mm-hmm. the hot shower is so great, especially when it's cold and you're miserable. Yes. But the, um, oops, sorry, my uh, my butler's here. Thanks. Tech support. Uh, I'm like power support. <laughs> um, but yeah, it feels so good, you know? You're like so mm-hmm. hungry. And at the end, you're like, Waffle House. Yes. Or whatever. <laughs> whatever your whatever your stop is pecan waffle cravings Oops. um so would that be also the worst day of riding ever because for me the the i don't honestly i don't really know that i've had the worst day of riding ever oh, because was... for me the worst day of riding would be the day that riding ends for me <laughs> permanently <laughs> true um, very true and you can and you can You're read right. into that however you wish but uh <laughs> i you know even on what some would think would be my worst day when i was in uh when i was heading up to laguna seca and uh, a deer you know decided to uh impress his oh. lady friend by jumping in front of me that could have been the worst day but uh even with a bike that was limping and uh scratched and missing most of its parts on the right side and lots of uh scratches on my on my gear i still limped that motorcycle up to laguna seca and enjoyed a three-day weekend of uh motorcycle racing and uh limped promptly limped back home you know i think most i don't think most people would have would have done that i i i want to say that a lot of people would have just been like okay i'm done going home i'm good And uh, I think it takes a lot to like just pick up and like okay I'm just gonna keep going because that 
I think for a lot of people that that's a panicky moment and like, uh, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this today. Kind of, kind of moment. I, I probably would. I mean like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to go home yeah. now. Well, uh, the guy that I was dating <laughs> at the time actually said, you know, uh, I wouldn't have come <laughs> if it was me on the bike, I would have gone right back home. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, the bike was fine, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, true. A- apart from, you know, having to rebend a couple of things, um, which I handled uh, further down the road, the bike basically rode fine. So that, uh, that 650 GS, uh, takes a licking and keeps on ticking. But, uh, true. Yeah. I mean, I really wanted to see my first weekend of racing. So I guess, uh, I wouldn't say you oh. don't want to get in between me and racing because I can't say I'm just such a diehard fan that, uh, you know, something like that. But um, I will say that, you know, I wasn't injured, so I'm not going to pretend to understand what it's like to be in an accident and be injured and then You're... hope to have that same, you know, mentality. Uh, yeah. I don't know. So I haven't been in that situation. Not going to comment or guess whether or not uh i would continue writing but let's hope that you know if you're out there and you haven't had that uh experience that um you don't you're uh, stirring up all these memories i just remembered the day that i had to ride home from moto gp in monterey uh back to san francisco with a fever mm, i that sucks yeah we showed up on thursday night we left on monday and on friday i got hit with a fever and i was sick pretty much all weekend and by monday i was still not better and i had a ride home with a mild fever so it wasn't like raging but it was enough to where i was just like tired and miserable i don't know how i made it home i i was on the ninja so it wasn't a long ride because only like three four hours but that wasn't fun. Uh, and I, I no yeah, having no, to ride when you're bad. sick is not not fun at all. And no. to a point, it can be dangerous, especially it, if you're uh, if you have a fever, or if you're yeah. kind of blanking out, or if for whatever reason you're losing your ability to brake yeah. or steer or at Thankfully, least pay enough attention. Yeah, not that bad, but it was yeah. just tired. I'm like, I just really don't want to do this. I really don't want to ride today. That kind of mm-hmm. thing. It wasn't like bad, but it just sucked. And I, I mean, I guess I have to say worst days would be my accidents. I've had, uh, I had that one. I had the two. So I guess I, I'm going to call it two accidents. Um, I guess those days would probably be the worst just because... I don't know. It's hurt a little bit. Yeah. You're hurt and you're off the bike for a while. I mean, yeah, that would pretty much that did be suck. considered a pretty bad day. Yeah. That was a crummy day. But I mean, even those like my, you know, accident from three now almost two and a half years ago, even that turned into a pretty great day when a perfect total stranger drove us home for free, you know, towed our bikes home, took us home in his personal truck three hours away didn't expect any money in return totally did it just because he was a nice guy so it it turned that yeah we were 150 miles away so Mm. it it turned a pretty crappy day into a actually a not bad of one just because that was completely unexpected 
there were a lot of really mm-hmm. nice people that day that helped us that we didn't expect or didn't think would help. I, I don't know. I just had never experienced anything like that ever. I never had mm-hmm. like Good Samaritans multiple just do all these nice things for me without any expecting anything in return but i find that to be a common theme in motorcycling i've heard a lot of people talk about how yeah i was stranded somewhere i had a flat tire and this guy pulled over and helped me and gave me money and gave me gas and it happens all the time i think in the motorcycling i feel like a lot of people are always trying to look out for other motorcyclists that way. I think we've like, all kind of had a bad day and uh-huh. especially with a with a bike more so mm-hmm. than a car. Mm-hmm. Your bad day could be completely oh, yeah. escalated. Yeah. And I think in the very oh, optimistic sure. sense you just want to help people um if you have the opportunity and you have the time and you have the means. Because you want to try to ensure that someone like you is going to step up for you in the future if that need ever arises. When it's just the right thing to do. Like if you're just driving down your the highway, <laughs> yeah, like if you're there and you can help this person, why wouldn't you? I mean, unless your life's in danger. But if you're just driving down the highway and you see someone stranded and you could theoretically pull over and help them, then why wouldn't you want to do that? I, 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 I don't know. But um, uh, yeah, I totally forgot about those days until you mentioned it mm-hmm. to me. So a lot of good days, a lot of bad days, I guess. I guess yeah, the only thing I, I didn't really uh, mention was maybe my like best day was probably um, learning to ride. Hmm. <laughs> Just like that whole experience of learning how to ride a motorcycle shoot even the first time i learned how to ride that scooter because i didn't think i could ride a scooter i never rode one before and i really didn't expect that i'd learn to ride motorcycles after that so since that was was it was it tech support that uh, taught you how to ride a scooter (laughs) yes yeah parking lot that was way before the thought of a motorcycle class even entered my mind just because it was more like hey you want to learn how to ride this scooter i'll teach you and it was super easy and yeah i figured Mm -hmm. it out pretty fairly quickly but i you know i launched into the bushes one time (laughs) i nice that sounds like a uh that sounds like a wide open throttle problem okay because uh, the reason is because when we lived AKA in Presidio, yeah, no, that throttle, mm-mm. it was more that we lived at the, there was a slope of grass you had to get up. So mm-hmm. he rode the scooter down the little slope of grass. To, Ooh, scooters on grass. I know, but it was only like a six Risky foot business. little hill. It wasn't a big one. It was just a little low hill to get to our, um, uh, backyard area so we could work on the bike I guess and then mm-hmm. it was time to get it back up the hill and park it back up there and I don't remember why I did it and I don't remember what I don't remember why I was doing that but I basically rode it up the grass hill and you had to gun it to get up the grass and I gunned it I guess too much and went to mm-hmm. the bushes there were it's just bushes it's fine i was fine <laughs> these are the these are the moments where we wish that our significant others or our riding buddies would say hey are you okay and you're like yeah 
And they're like, I, all right, I'm going to take a picture of this. I don't even know if he was there. I'm trying to remember <laughs> why I did it. I do not remember. But yeah. I yeah, was Because okay. I had that, wow, wouldn't this be awesome to document story when I got my concussion while riding in the dirt uh, a couple years ago. You know, I'm surprised. Riding I buddy bet was you... way too concerned with my well-being than uh-huh. to stop and take a photo. And I berated him as well as the rest of the guys that we ride with. <laughs> Hey, you know, I bet he wasn't there because I think he would have taken some pictures. Mm, I want to say maybe. I was alone and that's why I did it. Make I, an excellent Christmas card. Yeah, like maybe I wanted to ride it and that's why I decided to ride it up the slope of grass. I don't know. Anyways, I don't do that crap, crap so, anymore. So that was, uh, what kind of scooter was that? Because that was technically your first that, ride. Yes, that was the 2003 Aprilia Scarabeo Ditec 50. It was a two-stroke 50. And we wow, rode that for a, a year. two-stroke. Yeah, two-stroke 50. Rebel. That must have made some noise. Uh, it did, and it smelled. It was great. We rode that thing for <laughs> a year. I put 3,800 miles on it. I rode it a lot. Around the city. It was awesome. That's a lot of miles for two tiny little wheels. Um, Uh, It was great. My first ride, although a lot of times I say that it was the Honda in South America, technically Mm -hmm. speaking, I rode an automatic scooter um, when I was in Thailand. So it was like a 100cc motorbike. And uh, cool. that was just for the sake of being mobile because I was living there on an island for a month and I needed to get around. So uh, per- I yeah. went ahead and Perfect. rented a scooter, and I'm totally not going to share what my gear looked like or lack thereof from That's that experience. It's different there. It's different. Because it was, it was beyond deplorable. It's a different... <laughs> It's a different planet. It's it's sure. fine. You're fine. Sure. October 2006. <laughs> I think that was... Uh, I think that was about the time that I did that. So that was my first uh, foray on two wheels, technically, but the first actual bike that I bought, the first motorcycle that I rode, um, apart from whatever they had used for the MSF two-day class, was a 2006 Honda XL200, which is an off-road kind of dual sport. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the XR200 is the equivalent in the U.S., and uh, bought that in Quito, Ecuador, and I circumnavigated South America for about eight months on that little bad boy. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, getting to the next question that he has, which is picking seven vehicles for seven days. Oh, that, I can't even answer that, that bike. If I'm assuming by vehicle, he means motorcycle, because I would sure love to own a different motorcycle for every day of the week, because that would yeah. be awesome if I had the uh money as well as the space um but uh one of those seven vehicles for sure would be that bike i was kind of regretful in selling it but i thought that importing it back into the u.s there might just be a bunch of headaches being Mm. it's it's manufactured outside of the u.s and probably didn't meet any of the really stringent Mm. california air standards so Mm -hmm. i sold her and i have the license plate but uh yeah i kind of miss her you can always get another one yeah, but it's not the same. <gasps> not the same. Uh, it's not her. Yeah. Um, uh, I couldn't really come up with seven bikes, to be Me honest. Uh, maybe it's because I didn't think about it long enough. But uh, um, my my dream motorcycle for aesthetic alone 
have no idea how these suckers ride because they're worth about a quarter million. Um, a 74 Ducati 750 Super Sport. <laughs> very I've uncomfortably. Been is basically I've been lusting after that motorcycle for a very long time, and uh, I think that's where my love of the fairing that just kind of drapes itself over the headlight and kind of across the bars. It's just a gorgeous motorcycle. Uh, if you're a big fan of Tron, I think that was the same year mm. that they had in the original Tron. But um, that, uh, my old 2006 Honda, um, the KTM 1290 Duke, because that thing was like the lightest weight, uh, most powerful, probably super bike Duke? packaged. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. it was the Super Duke. The super. That thing is under, I think it was under 400 pounds uh-huh. dry. Uh-huh. Like it just felt so light and so balanced mm-hmm. and so low. Cause I'm pretty sure I was standing feet fully planted and, uh, on a KTM, that's kind of unusual for me even. Um, so I remember that bike would be kind of fun. And, uh, Brian Fuller, uh, from Fuller Moto has a, a flat track Ducati that, he uh he made and is for sale in case you're interested uh 30 grand will get you this <laughs> kick-ass ducati flat track bike and he let me tool around atlanta on that and that was pretty amazing for a lot of reasons and uh probably if i were to have another bike in the stable it would have to be like a a heavyweight cruiser to do cross country and some long, long travel on. So probably one of the Indians, um, simply because the, the loudness of a Harley is just where I can't quite, uh, (laughs) fall in love with them. Um, I know most stock Harleys aren't really that bad, but there's just something about, uh, riding an Indian that was super comfortable for me. And I already done a multi-state tour on one. So I would probably be my long distance cruiser choice. I'm sure there are a couple more. What are your, uh, what are your favorite bikes? Mm, I guess, uh, one would be the 690 SMR I rode. It was a 2009, 2007, maybe. I can't remember the, what the last year was of the SMR, uh, true supermoto, um, full street suspension, dual Akrapovich pipes on that. It was loud too, but it was so much fun. If I could find one, I would totally get one. Um, I would also love to ride a Beamer again. I really enjoyed my time on that R12, but I would opt for the S1000R because it's uh, because those cylinders aren't there. I can't I don't think I can ever own any of the BMWs with the cylinder with the the twins. I can't. I don't think I can just because ergonomically they're in my way. They're in my way. Mm. And uh, the weight is just, it's just too, too much weight because of them. The S1000s all feels a lot lighter. Uh, which, Quinsley, by the way, the S1000X standard seat height is 32.1. But Ooh. it feels the same height as my 30 and a half. And wow. Yep. And that speaks to BMW's ability to perfectly lay out the ergonomics on their vehicles. So that tells hmm. you how much ergonomics matter, not seat height. Um, 
So I would love that. I actually would love the uh, love to get on an, another dual sport. Maybe now it would be an F700 uh, or the F800 um, or that F650 that I rode. That well, I was think really now great. Now we have an F850. Don't even get me started now about the incremental jumps in engine side. Um, but the F650 was a little bit lower than the mm-hmm. F8. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to throw a leg over those again. Or actually the DR650. I had a great time riding that bike around the city for a little bit. I think I could totally dual sport on that. The ergos on that are fantastic. And uh, no you know, no issues with, with height or anything like that on that guy. So light too. Um, I would also love the opportunity to ride a uh, comfy couch. <laughs> I'd love to try an Indian. I I I do love the. I like the way they look, and I also appreciate the modern um, amenities that Indians offer in terms of mm-hmm. suspension. Oh well, and handling. your your traveling couch also <laughs> offers most, if not more, of those modern amenities. Right? And the bike I speak of is the all new 2018 ground up remodel Goldwing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be cool to take that for a spin for sure. Oh yeah. Um, I also, I'm trying to think. I oh well, of course. Uh, I, I would also future, love. I see a future podcast series uh, for us: uh, two girls, one Goldwing. <laughs> <laughs> you can drive in the front first. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd love to the opportunity to ride a Goldwing, the new Goldwings, for a day. They make it look so much smaller, and I don't know. More not when I stand next to it. I don't know, just that commercial, that really great commercial that mm, we you absolutely know, that we my shared. favorite. It, it makes the Goldwing look small. Um gotcha. but I've, I well, it's know because that they put people on it. If you're talking true. about the one that I posted with the yes. female writer, yes. which if you haven't already seen it, what rock are you living under? <laughs> I've we'll been post it again. ranting about this for a while. Posted it on my Facebook page, my personal page, as well as uh, our Motorific podcast page. But yeah. Honda came out with a really cool little tongue-in-cheek uh, commercial uh, with a prominent female riding the motorcycle. And she bought this bike for her and her husband. Um, and I will <laughs> leave it at that. But uh Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, good. Yeah, so I don't know. That's four. I would love the opportunity to ride another super sport for a day if my body could handle it. So whether that would be an S one thousand RR or probably, oh, well, certainly a Daytona. Oh hell yeah, that would I would take in a in a mm-hmm. second. I mean, that's, again, assuming I had the body to ride those bikes. I, I um, saw the 2018 version of the Triumph triples. They were at the shop when I was picking up my Bonnie. The Daytona? Are you talking about that, no, the Street Triple RS? I don't RS. think it was the Daytona, but uh, I think the yeah, RS. The RS. Yeah, I've seen it in person. It's it's lovely. Um, yeah. But I'm talking about the Daytona. I would I mm-hmm. would like to have that for a day again. Daytona is, uh, there. that's not in the 2018 lineup. That's older, right? No, Six, the Daytona is current. Yeah, they're not getting rid of it yet. As far as I oh, know, okay. they're still going to have it. They just haven't done anything to it. So it's still the Daytona. Gotcha. Um, they haven't got rid of it yet. So, yeah, I think those would be my 
kind of first main choices. Mm, and maybe a Vespa. Yeah. Having a scooter in there or or a CL. I think it's a CL 300 or a CL 400. It's a Honda high pipe scrambler. Mm. I've always kind of aesthetically been fascinated with those motorcycles. I guess um, I'd love a little standard too. So the next yeah. question, what bike is just all wrong? And the honestly, the first thing that comes to mind and something I talk about <laughs> with a few people is the CB11 Honda, Honda which they rebooted uh, maybe three years ago. And uh, I had high hopes when they talked about bringing back a CB that it was going to be the same aesthetic as a CB500 gutted, but with all new, you know, the the engine and everything from the ground up rebooted so that the aesthetic is the same, but you have basically all new parts. Kind of like what Triumph has been doing. They've maintained the same aesthetic for years, some of which they didn't change anything. Then they did change the aesthetic, or they did change the, the... they upgraded from carb to no carb, but kept the visual look of the carb. And then now with the um, street twins and, and whatnot in the last year or two have completely revamped everything on offer. So long story longer, that CB11 Honda, that just the tank is super squared off and it just looks terrible. I'm sure it rides great, <laughs> but it just looks terrible and I just everyone loves the aesthetic of those old CB500s and it would be awesome if they could bring back something that looked very similar to that. Um do you have any any bikes that you just look at and <sighs> shake your head face palm? Oh, well. Um if you've listened to our podcast, I think you know like I have a very strong bias towards sporty bikes. And anytime I see a bike that was engineered, designed, developed, researched, manufactured to basically go 200 miles an hour in a straight line and then 100 miles an hour in a corner, it kills me to see them stretched out where they can't do that anymore. They can go down the straightaway, but once they get to that corner... They're not going to lean over very much, if at all. That kills me. Kills me. But I know, I get it, I understand that it's not, that's certainly not what that person's doing with it. You know, it's, I see it's an aesthetic thing, it looks cool, and that's just the way that certain people like their bikes, and I'm all for that. If you, Joanne doesn't go to drag racing. I, I don't. I mean, drag racing, <laughs> Motorcycle I get. drag racing. <laughs> I get the drag racing part. But after that, it completely goes against the point of the vehicle. Completely, you can't do that anymore. You've taken something that can do this really, really well, and now it'll never do that ever, as long as that swing arm is violated. (laughs) For (laughs) so to see something so pristinely, you know, (laughs) set up for it and. Yeah, it kills me. Once I saw a uh, street triple, there are, I know, I mean, I think every bike has been pulled apart that way. So you can find pretty much any and every every bike set up that way. But it breaks my heart. Um, your top five songs on your riding playlist. 
So I don't really have a top five per se, but of the songs I think about when I ride that always need to be in a playlist um, or at least accentuate a nice long road. So just, you know, you're close your eyes for a second. You're on this amazing road. And actually, this will tie into his uh, last question, which is what is your dream road? Um my dream road is close your eyes. Come on, close your eyes. But if you're driving, don't close your eyes. Um, it's the very long two lane stretch of highway that has the monuments in Utah, I believe, in the background. And they use it a lot in car commercials and they use it a lot in uh, in motorcycle shoots. Mm. You can see the highway go forever and then it just kind of uh, almost looks like it goes vertical and then there are some hills. So if you imagine that road... And then imagine listening to a couple of these songs and, you know, they're they're newish. Um, I didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, the the older uh, tunes in my playlist. But uh, Temper Trap, there's a song called Sweet Disposition, and it's just a really nice song for that particular stretch of road. Uh, Cage the Elephant, Trouble, um, just because I have to chuckle when I think about trouble on my left and trouble on my right, because I'm pretty much always in trouble at some point in time when I'm riding. Um, Muse Madness has always been a, a favorite for a nice long highway. And my my buddy, uh, Bill Lloyd, he plays in a band in Texas called the Showmen Bluegrass Extraordinaire. And he picks a mean banjo, and he also used to race with Gary Nixon, for the Triumph team and Flat Track, and he's also in Daytona Beach's Hall of Fame. I think that kind of covers it. I think that's like four or five. I don't really have particular songs that I have to listen to, per se. Um, but I would say that generally I always need some 80s music. I have a lot of 80s music mm-hmm. that I love to listen to everything from like really awful sappy love songs like ambrosia (laughs) to um which is like way before my time um you know to like right mid 80s new wave you know duran duran that sort of thing um to 80s r&b and hip-hop which is something i used to listen to a lot in junior high and high school so a lot of classic michael jackson a lot of off the wall and um also a lot of motown um when michael jackson was still michael right, jackson right so off the wall <laughs> vintage <clears throat> pretty much and um uh, but anything in the 80s i have a couple 80s playlists that i like to run of again it's it's a random variety of 80s though it's not just one mm-hmm. kind so i have Paula Abdul 80s. I have again R&B and hip hop stuff like Michael Jackson, New Edition. Um and then I also mm-hmm. have like um kind of late 70s. I I I feel like I was born in the wrong decade cuz I really do like a lot of 70s music like Peaches and Herb and then I do also love classic Stevie Wonder. So I've got a ton of 80s stuff mm, that I love. Or uh, his classics, his greatest hits album is outstanding. Um and then usually there's so there's always some 80s stuff in there when i ride and then and then i have really bad pop 
like 2000s current pop current and previous Mm, bad pop music like um i have a bad mix britney spears i don't have any britney but i do have uh right now i have more current pop like taylor some katie Mm -hmm. i have a lady gaga in there as my pop and then uh just a few other like radio hits but i have terrible place uh tasted music so you never want to hear my my music choices because they're just really bad music like i don't have i guess the best music i have in my music catalog is the michael jackson motown stevie wonder classics like i have uh, Dinah Washington in there. I have like I think those are my best music, but I li- I do live in the eighties, even though I was only like eight years old in the eighties. <laughs> I I live in all kinds of uh, of realms on my um, on my iPhone or the the playlist. So those are just a couple of songs, but much like Joanne, I do have kind of a wide variety of things that I listen to. And I mean, that includes rap that includes nineties rap. So anyway, um, Oh, and bad love songs. So really cheesy love songs. <laughs> I have, uh, a lot of Richard Marks. Um, I, I know oh God. it's, it's really bad. It's, it's all eighth grade, ninth grade, um, foreigner again, like right, in, right into the yeah, danger again, zone. Joanne. Bad eighties, music kenny loggins i love kenny uh did you Mm -hmm. know he came to uc santa cruz and did a concert and he recorded an album from it (laughs) it was yes no i didn't there's an amphitheater in uh, near campus in santa cruz where they do concerts i think it's also where they do ren fair stuff but he came he did a concert he had special guests like michael mcdonald and he did duets yes see I know it's. I can't Egg. help it. Um, Ooh, adult contemporary. I can't help it. <laughs> We're gonna be drawing I, some lines in the sand. I blame here. my cousins, whom I love, but I w- <laughs> when I was really little, my closest cousins in age were twelve years older than me, and or like ten mm. years, and so they were in high school and they were listening to Foreigner, to Holland Notes, to all the <laughs> yeah, and that's why I think I love all this 80s music because they were constantly listening to it and I was just really overexposed to it and every time I hear bad 80s they just have really great memories so it's like comfort it is like it I swear to god it is when I hear foreigner I just I love it I turn it up because it brings me back to my childhood and and (laughs) it's bad like Evan and Evan just stares at me like I'm crazy like he Mm -hmm. can't stand any of the music on my phone he can't stand any of it i rock out to all kinds of chick pop (laughs) music as well and one of my writing buddies was like hey can i ask you a question (laughs) what what is it that you're listening to you're just kind of rocking out to you don't want to know dude you don't (laughs) want to know know. your 10 year old daughter listens to this stuff and i'm 40 so, Whatever he probably listens to Britney uh, Spears too, but you know what? Thanks for reminding me because oh, I'm no. gonna. He has a he has a very tasteful oh. collection. Uh, his his <laughs> I don't I don't even know what his guilty. I'm gonna download is, some right now. Mine. Britney's going in here. I totally <laughs> I totally forgot about her. I'm gonna add her to my library. Yeah, may I? Yeah, I'll give you some uh, recommendations offline. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the the last question that he asked was, "What is your dream road?" 
<sighs> uh, what stretch of road is on your bucket list? And of course, the the one that I mentioned that I have not been on yet, I think is the one that's extending into Utah and you can see some monuments in the background. And then of course, any road that finally leads me on my cross country trip, because I've only planned this sucker like two or three times and uh, not had it pan mm. out. So one of these days, do it uh, next year. Inshallah, God willing, I will be able do to it. go on this trip. Um, <laughs> I guess my road is just the good old Stelvio pass like that. I really, really want to do. Um, really all those roads you see in memes and motorcycle memes, but Stelvio for me stands out. I really want to do that someday. Um, I secretly want to ride that crazy road on that Chinese mountain that goes through, like they blasted through the mountain, you know, to make the highway. Mm. And part of the highway is like, on the cliff and it's a one lane there's a really great youtube video of a like a pov if someone's actually riding on that road and it's scary as shit uh I, yeah <laughs> I, I don't know that i want to ride on it but i do want to go on it but i guess for like just good old pavement riding for sure stelvio and i do want to go um to ure and ride yeah, Colorado. there's some some road, a mountainy road that looks very Stelvio-y that I want to check out. But just in general, I want to ride in Ure. It sounds amazing. Um, it's also great for ice climbing. Yeah. It's an international okay. destination for that ice sounds climbing. Great. But I wouldn't combine the two. Sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm going to skip the ice climbing. I'm going to go <laughs> motorcycling. Um, I do want to do that one road. And is it uh, through Zion? It's that one photo. It's like a horseshoe. It's like a really famous road. Everybody takes pictures of it's, it's like a giant horseshoe around this huge boulder. And it's, mm. it's in a lot of like photos online and tourist videos and stuff. Um, I'll have to dig that up. That one looks really cool. Um, I think what else I wanted to do. Those are the only ones I can think of off the top of my head. Let me see if I missed anything. Yeah, well, um, I I will uh, roll into a shout out to a longtime mm-hmm. listener, Christina Barrett, who's located in Southern California, and she wrote us on Facebook Aww. asking about writer groups in the SoCal area. And uh, as we had uh, recommended to her, uh, the D-Store, Dainese in Costa Mesa, usually has some group rides. They do uh, events at the shop where you're watching MotoGP, just kind of trying to create a nice environment for motorcyclists to hang. Their store is quite accommodating for lounging, as I went there after their remodel a couple years ago. We also recommend the Lita's, which are a global organization of local riding chapters. Uh, And that was uh, started in 2015 by Jessica Haggett, who is located in Utah. And if you went to the website, uh, which is, I believe, the Lita's.org, we'll post links on our page. You won't find any reference to her whatsoever because... Their uh, whole, um, why am I spacing on this? Uh, the whole idea behind the Lita's is inclusivity, not not exclusivity, not 
uh, being better than anyone else or having this kind of sport bike as opposed to riding a cruiser. Uh, no matter what you ride, they just enjoy that you do ride. Uh, the only part where they draw the line is scooters, so it must be a motorcycle. But uh, we recommended that to uh, Christina. And as well, I guess I could say that um, one of our other listeners was suggesting we talk about uh, influential women in motorcycling. And so that's a nice segue. I would say as a millennial, um, I would consider Jessica Haggett a influential female in motorcycling just based on the fact that, um, you know, she started a club, which is now global. Um, I did not write down how many chapters and how many countries, but I have seen their presence on Instagram is pretty solid. Uh, Lita's Los Angeles. I think there's a Lita's Orange County as well. Um, it's basically all about the members. So you're not going to see profiles of her and she actually gives interviews. But um, when you go to the website, it just focuses on the actual group um, and not the the uber cool millennial that started it. And uh, and I and I dig that as someone who personally cringes at the uh, tons of selfies and self aggrandizing type uh, references like, hey, it's me. I started this. Yeah. Um, that the world seems to be so obsessed with. Um, I think uh, Joanne will probably agree with my next uh, choice of uh, inspirational female is Mary McGee. Mary. Did did she also make your list? Yes, Mary's for sure. Awesome. At the top of my list. Feel free to jump in uh, at any point uh, on this, but I just kind of wrote down some of her... Um, some of the things that she was known for, she was first a race car driver, and uh, she first rode a 1956 200cc Triumph Tiger Cub, which a friend was selling, knew nothing about riding, but nonetheless uh, really wanted to learn and dedicated herself to that and fell in love. And then uh, the... American Federation of Motorcycling had road racing at that time, and she wanted to road race. Uh, she already raced cars. Why not race bikes? And AFM said, yeah, well, we know you're a great race car driver, but can you ride a motorcycle? So we're going to ask that you try out. So <laughs> she was the succeeded at the tryout, was the first woman to hold an FIM license in the U.S., and she did road racing from 1960 to 1963. Um, at that point in time, there was something along the lines of uh, Steve McQueen and some of the other guys who raced cars with her said, hey, screw this like road racing business. You should come ride with us off-road. So hmm. she embarked on a off-road motocross type uh, style of, of riding in 1963, entered in Enduro, in uh, California, and uh, it snowed during the race. Um, some of her exploits, uh, she was the first woman to finish a Baja 1000, and I believe that was in 68. She also um, rode solo. I think they call that Iron Man. Hmm. Um in the Baja 500, and that was in 1975, um, also on a, on a 250 Husqvarna. And back in 75, racing the Baja, 
It was just the 50th anniversary, by the way, in 2017. So um, I'm incapable of doing the math right now. But uh, it, it has not been around for that long. However, in 75, rural Mexico meant that there are no doctors standing by. There are no cell phones. I don't even think there are sat phones at that point. Um, no electricity. <laughs> and uh, I think one of the funniest quotes, and if you've ever met Mary, she is awesome. And we will have her on this podcast at some point. We'll post some um, photos, too. Shh. She had said that she carried the the only medical equipment, quote unquote, she carried was Percodan in case she uh, needed to ride out injured because you want to heavily medicate before you start riding with broken parts. Um, Her dirt career ended in 1976. In uh, 2000, she relocated to Gardnerville in Nevada uh, near Carson City to be near family, and she hung out with a, a couple of friends over there and ended up buying a vintage Husqvarna and rode a few vintage events. Um, as far as I know, she hasn't done that in the last five years, I think, that I've known her. But uh, a few of the things that she holds, first female motocross racer in the U.S., first woman to compete with uh, Europeans in an international motocross event in the U.S., um, the only woman to ride the Baja 500 solo. I have not checked that. The things you read on the internet, you can't always believe. It strikes me as odd that there's only been one woman to ride the Baja 500. But if you've met Mary, uh, you're not surprised by that. Um, she was the first woman to finish the Baja 1000. And she also is the first road racing female in the U.S. So she has a lot of competitive firsts. And she's also a hoot. She is a hoot. Um, Do you have anything to add to that? I'll let you talk about it a little bit. Uh, Yeah, Mary's also just a really kind and humble person. And what really struck me about Mary, I first met her in Lake Tahoe when they did a uh, Tahoe rally. It was like 2012. And she was there, and also Bud Mann was there, and he was speaking. And what I thought was so cool was that she knew everybody he was talking about. And and just from a experience perspective, I thought she could totally be on that stage with him. I mean, yes, of course, he has more experience um, as far as championships and races but she was there too and she could speak to everything that he was talking about and she was there and I thought her voice should have been heard that night but um she's very like humble and just nonchalant about yeah I I did that yeah you know it was just it was nothing like it like it was just nothing and it was just just one of those things that you did back then just like any other activity but back then for a woman to be doing these things no you were expected to raise children and you're expected to do things at home but you're not expected to go ride motorcycles and have fun like, that's just not what you do. You're supposed to be, you know, following certain norms. And society back then was not supportive, I think, of women like Mary. Certainly, though, there were really great articles about her and stories about her accomplishments. But I don't think she was, like, 
totally supported like, yeah, married, you should do this and you should go do more of these things and good job. You know, the way it is today where today, you know, women writers and competitors are supported and it's not it's not frowned upon in the same way, you know, as much as it was back then. And I just thought it was awesome how she just yeah for example i think i saw something about how when she went to a race in nevada they're like not only would you not be allowed to drive a car on this track but you wouldn't be allowed to ride a motorcycle on this track either because we don't let chicks do that um i'm sure there are plenty of stories to that same vein uh that she could tell but uh yeah she is a freaking hoot hoot and she swears and i just love it it's like so nice my eyes uh I sit there exactly like the emoji with the heart <laughs> eyes because she just starts telling yes. a story. And when she starts dropping like S bombs and F bombs, I'm just like, oh my God, I love you. Well, that's you. just going to be I love you us so in much. like 40 years. Like, I'm not going to be any less. No, I'm not going to be that foul. badass. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I think if we forget. I'll be swearing, but I won't be nearly as badass as Mary. Yeah, Mary's just, she's like such a nice person. She's just a friend, basically. Like, she treats everybody that way. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, she's great. I I love her. We'll post uh, a couple of links about her. There's been some really great stories about her in the news in the last few years. She's won some awards. Yeah, Mary's definitely at the top of my list. Um, yeah. And, and by the way, the only reason anyone knows anything about her was because her son (laughs) was the one, if I'm not mistaken, who, uh, contacted some people and said, Hey, by the way, my mom was this like wicked badass back in the sixties. You got to check this out. Well, I first heard of her at the AMA women and motorcycling conference in 2012. And they first heard about her through the sun and they went to go stop in, visit her and see, is this true? Like, is this legit? (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. That's what, so that's where I first saw her and heard about her. And then I didn't actually get to meet her and like talk to her in person until that Carson city or that Lake Tahoe rally. And even then I talked Mm -hmm. to her for like a few minutes like oh i remember you from the rally or from the ama event that was so cool can i get your photo she's like yes and then we took a selfie and it was so amazing and then i really got to i called her actually a couple times and got her on the phone to and chatted with her about a couple things i think i interviewed her once way back and um i i really wanted to start a project with her which I still want to finish. And if you go to WWs, I want to say it's still up there. So if you go to marymcgmc.com, let me just check that. I don't know if that's actually still up, but I, I proposed an idea with her to do just a quick one page little website about her, like a quick little bio with her info on it. Cause, and then, you know, with like contact info, if people want her to speak or something like that, but I just never, I never finished it with her and I really want to do that. But, um, she's, she's wonderful. I consider her a friend. She's fantastic. Oh, I have a autograph race bib from Mary. Um, yeah, like I can't remember. They, uh, printed up a bunch of commemorative, uh, race bibs with Mary's name on it. And then she also autographed one of her famous photos on the racetrack, on the road, on the, uh, on an AFM 
uh, race and it's awesome. We'll post a link to that too. Who else is on your list? Yeah, so for, for me, I, I, I put Lois Price just yeah. because she's a woman after my own heart traveling where everyone basically says, no way you Don't can go, go there. there. That's it's not dangerous. safe. That's ridiculous. Are you crazy? Yeah. And not only does she just, you know, travel to exotic places that are probably not the, uh, not on anyone's highest choice list for writing, let alone writing as a female. Um, she actually commits to writing about it. And uh, writing a book is, uh, is, is a huge effort. Just ask me how, how far I've come at mine. Um, but uh, she is a, a, a great speaker, and I've met her a, a bunch of times. Uh, I consider her a friend. Um, her most recent exploit was riding through Iran, and that book is called Revolutionary Ride. And uh, she is just a sprightly British redhead that, uh, you know, jumps off the motorcycle and everyone kind of looks at her like, what? <laughs> like, wow. And she is just so uh, adorable and charming. And believe me, if you've ever met her, I'm sure you agree with uh, all of those uh adjectives but uh yeah she uh she's an inspiration to me i only met her briefly i had like a five minute interaction with her and that was like all the time i got to have with her at a show one time um and i just never got to really like sit down and chat with her so hoping someday i'll get to meet her in person we'll see (laughs) so who's on Um, your list well i guess the few people that i have on my list i I guess I was thinking influential to me and not necessarily to women everywhere. I, I don't know. I don't know which we were shooting for. Um, like, cause for me, Mary is both like Mary is a personal mentor. You know, she's like a, I think she's like a hero and like to me. And then she's also to women everywhere an inspiration um, but on my list are a couple of my friends <laughs> because they've influenced me in my writing. Um, one is someone you pro like no one knows. Uh, she's a friend who passed away last year. Her name was Saskia and she was one of the first women I met, um, who had written a lot by herself and just in general, she'd, she's written, she had written hundreds of thousands of miles, if not millions, because she'd written across country wow. many times. Um, yeah, she's just one of the first few women, early women writers I can think of that I met and was like, wow, you've written a lot. That is so cool. And by the time I met her, she was in a retired age. She was in her 50s or, um, yeah, she wasn't my age she was older than me and she was just telling me about how much she'd written in her 20s and 30s and she'd written in Europe and she'd written across country from Maine and um just all the writing that she did and I always thought it was so cool and so badass and I just didn't know that there were women out there doing those things so this was like 10 years ago or no, no, 14 years ago when I first started to ride in San Francisco. Um, she and her husband own Moto Java 
So if you're a Bay Area person, you know who they are. They still exist, but uh, they no longer own it. Uh, they have a, actually a new couple, a new uh, duo, dynamic duo, own and run that that uh, business of buying used bikes, reselling them, fixing them. So she it was really also toward the top of my list for personal inspiration. Um, and then another friend. So, okay. So my list is people who've inspired me, um, and have influenced me. And my next friend, uh, who's, who's really influenced me is, uh, Elisa Clickinger. She, I, uh, worked with her on the sister's ride. So, if you went on that ride, if you heard about that ride, that was all about her. I met her like nine years ago at a motorcycle show and, uh, she was giving this really great presentation about her solo ride to South America, which coincidentally might've been near the same time ish as when you did it. It was like early two thousands when she did that ride. Um, and she spent mm, uh, 2007, yeah, she did early 2000s and she was there for like six months solo too. It was like something that she'd planned for a long time and it was her dream to do that. Um, let me just see if I can find it. And she was just telling her story about how, uh, you know, this was my trip. These are all the things that happened to me. This is how I turned really shitty things on my trip into great things. And even though these horrible things happened to me on this trip, I still had an amazing time. And this is how I turned it around. And for me, that was huge because I'm not good at, I'm really bad. I'm really, really bad at looking at a horrible situation and, and coming up with a way to spin it positive so that I don't drive myself crazy and implode because my brain just starts to go nuts and it starts saying horrible things to my I start saying bad things to myself like you're an idiot why are you so dumb look what look what you've done now this is a disaster and now everything's just going to go to crap and I and I never I can never like uh, I have a hard time just pulling myself out of that and going snap out of it. It's really not that bad. This is not a big deal. You can fix this, whatever. Just, it's fine. It's not, it's not as bad as you think. And she really taught me and, and, and I think she thinks she inspired me to try to look at things differently so that I don't panic as much and that I can just try to look at th horrible things and try to make them make the best that I can of a, of a terrible situation and not to worry as much and fear, uh, the uh, kind of the anxiety of what can happen while you're riding solo. Cause for me, that was always a huge thing. Well, I don't want to ride by myself because what if all these things happen to me and I'm by myself? Like, I think that's just before I learned how to ride solo or before I had the experience riding solo, in my mind, it was just like, oh, this is a whole thing. It's scary and dangerous, and there's no way I could do that. And why do I want to do that? You know, why would I want to? <laughs> why do I want to put myself in a situation where I, my, things may not work out in my favor? I don't even want to go there. And uh, 
I always think back to her presentation about her getting robbed, about getting sick, about being in a foreign country and not knowing anyone. And just that, like, I don't know, I guess, uh, fear, you know, and trying to get over that. And, um, she's really helped me kind of get better at that, I guess. Um, another person that I think I think is actually influential, certainly on the injury side, is Sarah, Sarah Schilke. And she works for BMW Motorrad. She is a marketing manager for the uh, national marketing manager for Motorrad in the United States. Although she just got a promotion and I don't know what it is, but she's moving back to Oregon. So she moved out here to New Jersey to the headquarters for BMW and She's moving back to Oregon. And, um, yeah, really? I just can't. She didn't say, I didn't really dig deep as to what her new gig is with them, but she announced on Instagram, I'm moving back to the West Coast. And I've known Sarah since my first motorcycle show back in 2007. Because when I started the motorcycle shows, I wasn't doing the women's thing. Um, my first experience at the motorcycle show was. Being at the, there was like an information center when you walked in and there were like five different booths in that center. And one of them was like a, I think like a woman rider booth where it was me and another woman that I met who was drag racing at the time, um, my friend Melody. And I think it was just like, a, hey, we, we're women, we ride, um, you want to talk. Or something like that. It's just Sue Slate was running it and she asked for volunteers and I said, I'd love to volunteer. And so I sat at that booth and then somehow Sarah and I met and she was running the stage for seminars and she asked me to do a gear seminar. And I said, Yes, I'll do that. And because of her, I got roped into the show circuit for the next couple of years. And, um, yeah, like I, I I feel like she kind of propelled me into a direction that I didn't ever expect to all because she gave me the opportunity to do something that I never thought I could ever do that. I thought just something I never thought I saw myself doing. Um, but also because she, holds such a powerful and influential position in, in women and motorcycling. And, and over the past, like three to five years, I've seen her hands in different things and influence different, um, things in the media and in certainly in BMW. And I just love to know that we have an advocate like that at a higher level in the industry. You know, there's not enough women in positions of power in motorcycling. Like, I feel like, Every major um, player, as far as brands and manufacturers, are men. And you don't really see a lot of women running the show. And we need more of that. And uh, I don't know I don't know when that tide's going to change, but I'm trying to make my stamp. But it's not really working very well right now. But um, those were kind of my main um, friends and influences that I I like oh last one um last one is Laura from Worse for Wear um I 
it, you probably heard, you've heard me talk about her products, her writing jeans. And what I think she's doing is amazing that, and her, like actually a, a f- quite a few other women who've decided to start making women's gear. It's not new. I mean, it's not that what she's doing is new, but I, I do, I do think that the whole concept of a custom piece of riding gear, it doesn't, it, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to get access to that. Um, there really aren't a lot, a lot of options, especially for jeans to get a custom pant like that. And Laura decided to make it happen. And she's, I think she's making a great product and having a really great impact on women who wouldn't otherwise wear riding pants. Um, because I know there's always, you know, there's always going to be uh, different groups of writers who are not going to wear certain things because they simply don't want to. And um, if she can help influence that, I think that's that's a great thing. So um, right now she's actually on a little tour of the West Coast to bring her clothes to you. And I think now she's in Oregon this week or something. She was in San Diego and she was in the Bay Area and there um she's like traveling up the west coast doing little pop-ups um so i think it's it's really hard to find a gear manufacturer especially for women who will come to you and i think that's a pretty pretty awesome thing um so yeah and then i I mean i could go on i have a million friends who i think are amazing you know (laughs) who influence me and uh have helped me as far as my writing and meeting you and God, I, I never thought I would be doing any kind of motorcycling work like career wise and money wise. I always thought I'd be doing an office job for the rest of my life and then hopefully doing some kind of fun motorcycle stuff on the side. So I still need to figure that out. I don't know what the next 10 years. And here we are. <laughs> 100 episodes into For a now. podcast. <laughs> Didn't think it would take four years to well, get there. But, uh, you know, life. We're off enjoying. We, we, we're enthusiasts. We're so enthusiastic about motorcycling that sometimes we don't think about you. We think about riding. And we think about hey, riding when we're on the motorcycle. Right? Off enjoying if ourselves. someone paid me to do so this, sometimes I would. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to uh, to find time, or even it's a struggle to uh, be motivated to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just don't feel like talking. Yeah, I mean, I uh... it's, it's a shocker if you know me to actually hear that. God, does she shut up uh, ever? I um, talk every day, and uh, when I come home, I don't <laughs> want to talk to anybody. I'll get online and I'll mind yeah. typing, but even then, I don't even want to do that. So like yeah so sometimes it's a struggle i always joke that we have five listeners um, and and kind of go back to that until joanne forced me to look at our tracking to see that we have uh quite a few more than just five so thank you for for tuning in whether you're in kyrgyzstan or kazakhstan or somewhere in china or, or somewhere in australia or, or london um or I think most of our fan base is in U.S. and Canada. Yeah. But hey, um, Canada! Yeah, we uh, we really appreciate uh, you guys tuning in to hear us chatter about uh, 
whatever we feel is appropriate that week. And uh, we also thank our listeners who chimed in to give us suggestions on what to talk about. Because mm-hmm. sometimes the well runs dry. And we really wanted to make 100 kind of like a little bit of a look back and a little special and, you know, maybe not so, hey, this brand new motorcycle kicks ass, Mm -hmm. but more of a um, retrospective, Mm -hmm. if you will. So uh, sorry it took four years to get to 100. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Steve. (laughs) But there are there are lots of point fives. Yeah. Steve, Steve Altera, who kind of helped us out with a lot of the Q&A there. Um, There there are a lot of point fives. And. Uh, interviews along the way and and we hope to at some point uh, continue the interview process it's like I said just another one of those things where you have to corral people and you're kind of subject to their schedule as well as Mm -hmm. trying to fit yours and it just becomes a thing and I love interviewing people when I'm face to face and I hate calling them on the phone so that adds another element but um, again we we appreciate you guys tuning in and and uh, sharing your thoughts and asking us questions because, I mean, that's pretty much uh, what keeps us going is listener interaction. Oh. Sorry, I'm tired. My brain. Anything um, to add to that? My brain's shutting down. It's midnight over here mm-hmm. on my no. coast. Yeah, sorry uh, about that. So I'm. I can. I can also smell the dinner I'm missing. Um, So we're going to leave you now, (laughs) but we thank you for waiting for 100. We cannot tell you when we'll be back for 101, but we will uh, (laughs) get back to you soon. Um, Thank you for listening. We hope to give you another year at least of awesome casting and more motorcycling and riding, yada, yada. Hopefully we will also see you one more time before the end of the year for some... I don't know, resolutions or I don't know, some stuff. I'm fading. Uh, in the meantime, catch us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast, on motorific.com, on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on email, motorific at Gmail. We may not check those every day. You can day, find us everywhere. But everywhere. we'll get back to you. Thank you again. And we will be back for you soon. Bye.